From the capital of the first state of these great United States, Keith. Each year, I set out to go over my top movies, and I've failed to do that several times now since I've started doing this podcast. Well, I guess almost three years ago now. Um, this year, however, I really saw just about everything that was up for anything. There's only a couple movies, and I will note those shortly, that I think may garner consideration for this top list that I'm about to uh, share with you all. I, kn- I know this first one, so so right now I've got 12 movies, essentially. And out of the 12, I think the first one's going to be a little bit surprising because it kind of surprised me. So the, the determination for me was over the course of the year, I rate movies. I usually get them, give them between an you know A down to probably a D minus. I've never given an A plus. I've never given anything lower than a D minus, I think. Um, but this year, um, I kind of said I'm going to take a look at all the stuff that I rated as an A or A minus for 2016 and rank those to you know up against one another so there is one movie that i didn't put in the list uh that did have an a minus and that's demolition um because i saw early in the year and it definitely was a good movie then but i can't remember a lot about it to be honest with you and i think that's a bad sign that if i didn't i can't remember it um it didn't make as big a mark and that was definitely the first one of the year that was kind of, I thought, uh, pretty good uh, at that point. So I kind of will stick that in that, that category of uh, movies that are on the, that were on the fringe. And, and I'll, I'll go through those at the end because I don't want to give anything away about movies that are not in the list yet. So surprisingly, the first movie, and I call it somewhat surprising, is um, the accountant is in my top, my top uh, twelve for the year, and this surprises me because I didn't think it would be. Um, and I, when I look back on it, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it, I thought I wouldn't like it going out. You know, when I first saw it, I thought it wouldn't be good. I love Anna Kendrick, but I don't think she's really been other than her being simply adorable. I don't think that I've ever loved her the movie that any movie that she's been in. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Ben Affleck obviously has been in a lot of things. He's directed things that he's done real well in. He plays somebody that's got like uh, I guess they I guess you'd call it Aspergers, but um, he's also a hitman and he's also a genius accountant. So he has a, a lot of interesting things going for him, and he's an accountant. I mean, it's like my field. And I and I the director was at the screening that we had in Philadelphia for this, and I um, remember asking, "Is there going to be an accountant too?" And there just might be. So you know, numbers are going to get you in the end, and so that's number twelve for me. Believe it or not. 
up to number 11 is Jackie. Natalie Portman is simply amazing. I think uh, she's an amazing actress. And this movie rightfully garners some, you know, best best actress nom- uh, nomination for her, and is also up for best picture. Uh, I, I know the movie's a little bit slow overall, um, but there's a depth to this character and what they achieve in here, uh, into delving into the psyche of an iconic figure. That I don't think very many movies can really do, and and I really, I really felt like she was. Jackie Onassis in this role. I kind of, she she did such a great job with the accents. I've I, I thought she did a great job with with the English accent when she was in V for Vendetta. But you know, probably an English person would tell me I'm out of my mind. But I, I, all I'm saying is it wasn't a distraction. Um, her accent, and I really uh, liked her in the role, and it really focused on her. It wasn't about Kennedy at all. It was it was simply about her, and um, that that one's my number my number eleven for the year. Up to number 10 is Florence Foster Jenkins, and I did not think that I would like this movie either. I thought this was simply going to be dreadful. It looks pretentious when you look at the uh, poster for it, but, you know, Meryl Streep uh, obviously gets her 20th Oscar nomination, and this was a movie I didn't think I was going to like, but it's impossible to dislike her in a role. I mean, she's so genuine in it, and she plays such an interesting character. Florence Foster Jenkins was an actual person. Uh, The portrayal that they put in here, and I've done some research on this. I haven't fully reviewed this one yet, but I did some research on the actual person. She did exist, and they did change some of the nature around her because you're kind of, kind of, the movie kind of implies she doesn't really know, she doesn't really know that she can't sing, (laughs) you know. Um, But in real life, it was clear that she did know and she or at least she she knew that some people didn't like it. And um, so they kind of changed that a little bit, but they made this a genuine story. I um, I really thought that Simon Helberg, who's from that uh, um, uh, that nerdy uh sitcom uh did a great job he was he was actually great in this role i heard an interview that he did and i think he uh, he's a he's a pianist and he's he's got a lot of love for music and he's plays an accompaniment accompaniment um hugh grant's in it as well and he does he does a, a decent job as her husband um and, and the ultimate enabler to some extent but great movie number 10 i think it uh, it, it deserved to be on the list Another movie I saw late in the year was 20th Century Women. Uh, this had Annette Benning, Greta Gerwig, and uh, Elle Fanning as the three women that centrally make up what they're really getting at here with you know 20th Century Women. Um, Annette Benning's character basically, you know, she's um, she she's she's struggling with the fact that she is unable to express all the way she feels to her son because the father is no longer in, in, you know, in the picture. And there's a, <clears throat> there's a thing where, you know, she has all of these, uh, the family that's there, uh, that not family, I should say, she has borders that, um, these Greta Gerwig and, uh, Elle Fanning, who's a friend, um, that she gets to help, try to teach her son what it means to be a boy. And I, I just thought Annette was so great. I could just see her in that 70s role. Uh, I mean, I could see her in the in the 1970s and seeing that kind of a person. It's, you know, sort of an old-style, um, you know, 
coming of age for all these women. You know, even though it's about the boy to some extent, it really was a coming of age for the women and the different things that they were going through in their lives. Um, and there were some interesting things that they had to go through. So um, that one's my number 10. So we're going up to the single digits now. And number, I'm sorry, that was my number nine. And getting up to the single digits even further here is Arrival. Arrival is in at number eight. Uh, I think it's a, it was a thought-provoking slow burn. There's a big twist in this movie, um, but this is really a first contact movie that cent- centers around the basic concept of communication. And uh, Louise, who's played by Adams, um, is a linguist who is assigned a task from the American side because there's all these things in, in different parts of the, uh, of the world. And she's assigned a task to... Um, communicate with the aliens and it's all around that and yet it unfolds in a very interesting way it's very um very much uh, a piece that's strictly tightly woven around her and um when you get to the twist you'll understand why but i think it kind of leaves you with a lot of questions at the end of it uh and it it really challenges your thinking of of what an alien could be and um, also it just, the movie makes you rework the entire movie when you get to the twist and, and understanding it. So I did do a full podcast on that, which you can find out there. And, uh, that was my number eight movie for the year. Moving up to number seven, I put Star Wars Rogue One. Um, I'm impressed to have this one in the top list. It was a dark movie and this movie really more than any other proved that, you know, Disney has the cojones and, and chops to really give us, uh, something for the fans, and when I say something for the fans, something for us that are now forty that grew up, and you know, w- we watched the original one, and we went through all the different things that kind of happened over the years, and maybe we didn't love the prequels, but this particular movie um, was really one for us. It, it shows a, it, it kind of blurs the line between good and evil, and um, you you get to see the good guys as maybe doing some things that are, you know, not exactly, um, you know, stuff that a purist would want to see. And the heroes are kind of muted. And, you know, there's questions in this asked about whether or not the end, you know, defines the means of getting there. Um, And then, of course, I have to close with this particular one, mentioning it has an amazing scene at the very end of it that ties right into A New Hope, where you get to see Darth Vader uh, be one of the most awesome villains of all time, and he, you know, and he, and he really shows, you know, what what he's capable of in that one scene. It probably, even for that alone, made the whole movie worth it. So, that was my number seven movie for the year. Looking forward to see what they do uh, later this year with the uh, next of uh, the, uh, the the final trilogy coming out. Um, number six, we're up to Nocturnal Animals, and this is another Amy Adams flick. In this one, uh, she is, uh, I guess, a social socialite type person. She's got this uh, art gallery, and she's living a pretty high high living life. But it turns out that she had um, a um, husband in the past that she broke up with, uh, who's played by Jake Gyllenhaal that um, she's kind of reminiscing about. And he sends her a book that he dedicated to her. And then you kind of have a story within the story. She reads this book, and it, it brings and correlates stuff into their relationship and life, into the book, into the reading of the book. And, and the story in there is, is really gripping. and gets you right away. Um, and uh, there's a lot of symbolism 
in it. And I kind of like it because it's kind of like the old Lifetime movie reversal here. Um, because I, you know, all these movies that, that come out, you know, on Lifetime are usually in some way you, you at the end of it, everything that's gone wrong for the lady, she gets to blame on the guy and she, you know, she gets her revenge in the end. I mean, this is kind of like a reversal on that whole thing for me. And, you know, Michael Shannon's in it. He does a fantastic job as a, as a, as a sheriff in the story within a story. And I just in general personally relish the, my identification with this, uh, this particular movie. So I'm glad to have it in at number six up to the top five. Number five is Kubo and the Two Strings. This is a um, this is a best animated feature I've seen in some time, and it craps you know uh, cracks into the the top five for me in 2016. It's it's basically an original tale, but it's you know it centers around like a, a an imagined Japanese mythic fantasy, and it's very dark. Uh, you know, it has like some somber like elements in it, and and you know it's 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 all in the family to some extent, and it looks at uh, you know, um, there's a lot of symbolism in it as well, and 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 um, I just I just loved the tone of the movie because it's I, I you will see that a lot of the movies that I really liked were dark movies, and this was a dark animated tale. Um, Matthew McConaughey was in it, uh, and so was um, Charlize Theron, and they were both did a great job, I think. Um, and Kubo already has won uh, the best animated feature at the Baftas, so I'm really pulling for them because I know Zootopia was good, but I just Zootopia didn't really it didn't it doesn't it isn't as good as this movie to me. Um, this was a great movie, and it it's on my top list for the year. So um, now moving up to number four is Sing Street, and this was one I saw very early in the year, and I was very surprised about how much I loved this movie. Um, I mean, you couldn't get a movie that would capture the feeling of the 1980s, of growing up and what it meant to be in the 80s. Um, all of the musical styles that took place, uh, the hair, the the clothing, how they kind of wrapped us all around and made a... I actually like the music in it, because there is, there is music in this as well. And you just remembered those times. It was very reminiscent. Um, I know uh, I showed it to my wife, and, and, you know, I wanted her to see it, and... Uh, we got to the end of it, and she thought that the movie actually was from the '80s. I said, "No, this was made this year. This was this was done. This was not a 1980s movie. It could have very easily been. Um, it would have been, you know, contemporary and taken for real. Then this was nostalgic and fun, and you know, it's you know, it's back to the time when you know we had big hair and dudes wore lipstick, you know, and it was just, it was just, it was just an interesting period of time. And, um, this was a, a great tale. So that was my number four. Um, number three. Now this was, this is where it gets tough because I really struggled where to put him. And this movie, I could, I mean, I could make a case to myself that this could be number one for me. And this is a movie that got, I think got, Highly overlooked for the year. Sing Street also was pretty much overlooked, but this movie I thought was fantastic, and I saw it at the uh, Fantastic Fest in Austin, and it was my favorite movie from there, and it was just about one of my favorite movies I saw for the entire year. And that, of course, is A Monster Calls. And, um, you know, it, it could have very easily been number two or number one. Um, you know, it tells a, it's a story about loss and denial and uh, 
told honestly from the perspective of a 13-year-old boy named Connor O'Malley, who's uh, played by Lewis McDougal. You know, and it's got a great cast. Uh, Liam Neeson plays the booming voice uh, monster. Sigourney Weaver's in here as the grandmother that Connor doesn't want to live with. And Felicity Jones is here again. She was also in Star Wars uh, movie this year. Um, and she is his dying mother. And this, this movie was just great. I, 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 there was a lot of... And I think this kind of movie probably really will resonate with people that have had certain types of loss in their life, and maybe that's why I liked it so much. But it was more about the boy too. There's a there is a scene where there's a big revelation in it. Um, but you know, like just going through the story, he the 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 monster once you know it tells him three tales, and they play out in certain ways. And in the end, he has to tell a tale, but it's the truth, and it's about a dream that he's had. And it's it's just fantastic. It's it's it reminds me a little bit of the opening scenes of Guardians of the Galaxy, where the guy where the little boy's losing you know uh, um, little boy's losing his mother. But it also kind of ties in that sort of feel of imagination type stuff with where the wild things are and that was a great movie too of just how it how you feel as a kid and how this boy is struggling and how that all works out in in the course of this film so that was my number two uh, three film for the year going up to number two is la la land and um, this is Damien Chazelle. Uh, he was at the Philadelphia Film Festival. Uh, got a chance to meet him, and um, it was really, you know, this this is his third movie, and in, for two years he's been very high on the top of my list. In 2014, he did Whiplash, which I was my top movie of 2014, um, and in 2016, obviously. Uh, La La Land is 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 right up there, and it's in, it's in the top considerations for numerous awards, and rightly so. Um, Brian Gosling and uh, Emma Stone do a great job. Um, you know, you could make a case that you know they're they're playing the roles. Um, you know, you wouldn't put them in the same class as stuff in the uh, from an earlier time. But one thing to note is that Ryan Gosling. Is a, it does know how to play the piano. He played a lot as a kid. He learned how all those shots in this movie, and there's a lot of long shots uh, in this movie, he actually played all the notes. Now, he was not what they used musically because obviously there's a big difference between knowing how to play the notes and actually making the music sound great. But he's in. he did learn it, and he spent a lot of time working on that, and, and Damien Giselle really wanted that to be a, a focal point. Um you know, and the narrative stays on Gosling and Stone, and, and they have a good chemistry in it. Um, uh, I think, I think Chazelle's obviously a high contender for winning it all this year, and they've got m- more Oscar nominations. Um, they did great at the Golden Globes. Um, so this is this is a great movie, and I, I have a full review of that one out there as well. Okay, to the final movie, and this is one I really loved this year. Uh, it was hyped very early in the year because I think it came out in Sundance, as a matter of fact, and that's Manchester by the Sea, and this stars um, Casey Affleck, and um, it, it's it's a haunting movie in, in a lot of ways. I mean, it's just there's there's lots of loss and misfortune, and and the way that people deal with that loss and um, the misfortune. I I love the fact that. So much is said by not saying something, or so much is said in small ways, um, because that's what really happens in life. There's a lot of people that don't have to demonstrate everything that they're thinking or saying and have it out there. And for 
you know, the director to kind of be able to convey some of that feeling onto the screen and be comfortable enough with it that his message is getting across and and have that be put there in that way. That's a fantastic thing because that's, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of movies that um, I even see it written in books sometimes where you know, somebody goes on a monologue or something that has to describe everything just so that they can keep the narrative moving. They don't do that in this movie. It is such, it was so, so well done. He does such a great job of framing the characters. It's definitely a dark movie. And, you know, in the end, I, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily work out the way that you'd like, you'd think it would, you know, or it wasn't completely formulaic in the way that it, it ended. Um, and I, I just respected the entire thing and I, and I liked, um, everybody that was in it was great. I, 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 there's no complaints anywhere in it. No, no complaints about the story I was in. Um, you know, so this is, this is, that was my top one for the year. You know, there, so before I, before I close out, I do have some honorable mentions and stuff that was close. Hidden figures is one I liked a lot. Um, I had it sort of in the B category in terms of, how, how it was for the year. I liked Civil War, um, Captain America. Wiener Dog was a great movie. Uh, very funny. Um, uh, not, not to be mis, you know, not to be, um, thought of as Wiener. That's, that's the guy, that's the guy that I think showed his Wiener or something to somebody. This was about a dog and it was extremely funny. Um, Captain Fantastic is sort of Vito, Vigo Mort, um, Morden, um, Vigo Mortensen, is that his name? I can't think of his name. Anyway, he um, he's actually up for an Oscar, and uh, he does a great job in it. He's sort of a tree-hugging type dad with kids, and it was a good movie. Uh, this movie, Raw, which I saw at uh, Philadelphia Film Festival, it was like their late night showing, and it was basically uh, sort of a cannibal movie, but it was it was pretty good. It was pretty well done. Um, Staying Vertical was a, was a movie I saw. It was a French movie. Good movie. Saw it in um, a Virginia Film Festival. Good movie. Doctor Strange, excellent movie. Great visuals. I kept thinking a little bit when I was watching it. Um, I love Benedict Cumberbunch, but uh, I kept thinking a little bit about uh, Inception. There was a little vibe of that from there. Um, Hello High Water. That was a great movie. Um, uh, you know, it could very easily have been in that that category of, of making it onto the list. I, I definitely liked it a lot. And uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Loved loved the role. Uh, it was subdued. It wasn't over the top. And um, I, I, I did enjoy that one a lot. And as I mentioned before, Demolitions there. That was another Jake Gyllenhaal movie, which I didn't put into the top list. So there's one movie that I do know that I probably... is couple movies I want to see that I didn't get to see. One is Fences, and I think Fences will make it into my top list. And if it makes it into my top list, my top list will then be 13. It won't be 12. I'm going to, you know, slide it in somewhere and, and adjust it. But I think that movie has the um, potential to get in there. And there's another movie called Allied that I think had some, uh, I did not get to see, and I think it garnered some um consideration as well so that's my top list and and keep in mind that that doesn't necessarily mean you know those are not necessarily what what i think you know manchester by the sea i would be very happy if it won you know best picture because i enjoyed it a lot but la la land was great um some of the other movies i would be a little more surprised but you know the voting for that kind of stuff is very strange and and it doesn't mean that the roles some of the roles weren't fantastic just because like you know, uh, there's there's so many good roles this year, and I I was really happy with a lot I saw. One movie I didn't mention was um, 
Lion. I thought it was a great movie, but you know, it was sort of like a B movie, like in the B category. It wasn't, it wasn't riveting in any, any amazing way. Um, it, ha- it had some good messages, but it wasn't, you know, something I'd put into the highest, um, you know, entertainment value because a lot of this has to do with the entertainment value that I got out of movies for the year. Um, and that's usually how I approach, um, watching them. I mean, uh, there's definitely some good performances like this, like Moonlight. Moonlight, there's great performances. Uh, it was a great message. Um, but it wasn't that entertaining to me. And that's, that's why it didn't make, make my top list for the year. So, um, I don't know. That's it for now. But, but there's a whole host of stuff coming up this year, and I'm actually really excited about the stuff that's that's coming out. It's been a little bit slow at this point. Nothing, not much has come out that's been great, but um, you know that's usually how it is in January and February. The stuff's going to start to pick up once we get into March, and I'm looking forward to uh, to Tribeca again in April, and and numerous other things that's going to pop up. And uh, I think it's going to be another great year. So anyway, I will talk to you guys again soon. You have been listening to the Movies, Cigars, and a Brew Podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, and Stitcher. Find reviews of other movies, cigars, and beers at MovieCigarsAndABrew.com. Give a like on Facebook or follow Keith on Twitter at MovieCigarBeer. Your trailer is coming up next.